0: Welcome to Kind Talk, the podcast brought to you by the Adverse Childhood Experiences Hub for Wales, where we chat to inspirational people who are making a difference through kindness and trauma-informed practice. Today's guests are Lucy Donovan from Positive Futures and Laura Tranter, Community Lead from the ACE Support Hub. Positive Futures is an organisation working with young people from disadvantaged and deprived areas of Gwent, providing alternative education, mentoring and community provision. So welcome, Lucy and Laura. How are you both doing today? Hi, Sarah. Yeah, good. Thank you. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Lucy. I'm fine. Thanks. So, Laura, you met Lucy a while ago. Could you tell us a little bit about how you met?
1: Yeah so um I've been involved um through the e Support hub I've been involved in developing a training package for the sports sector um which looks at how sport can provide all those factors that we know help resilience in young people um and Lucy uh, I met Lucy as part of the task and finish group um and lucy's passion and her kind of um well she's so inspiring really and her knowledge of this area of work and i think that newport life have been really um supportive in the in the way we've developed the package
0: so lucy you're incredibly passionate about the work of positive futures could you tell us a bit about your role and maybe why you got into this work in the first place
2: Yeah, so my role in Positive Futures is basically um, overseeing and coordinating the programme across the Gwent region. Um, We've been running in Newport um, since 2002 um, when it was a Home Office National Scheme. And then in 2013, um, we were fortunate the Office of the Police and Crime Commissioner for Gwent took on the funding because they appreciated what we did and could see the role that sport could play in the communities um so yes we're all across gwen i oversee that um and i just feel really passionate um about making sure that young people living in areas of deprivation have the opportunity to take part in sport but through taking part in sport receiving important mentoring and guidance um from staff and from volunteers and we've had young people in the past go on then to be our members of staff so it's that it's the the personal approach, the get the understanding what the young people are going through, but using sport as that tool to connect initially.
1: And I think we for us in terms of the um the training package, we've we've actually called it it's more than just sport, because we recognise that it is the role of the coaches to have that power to connect in, in yeah. the same way as Lucy was just talking about and and the things that they can give, particularly young people, but anyone really of any age in having that kind of trusted adult role and having a place where they feel safe and secure um it was just that 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 was we felt that Newport Live and Positive Futures was was something that we wanted to to shine the light on really just because that provided us with an example of of what we want to come through the training package
2: yeah and i think that the training that Laura and the, and the team delivered is it's really good for the team to do because often you just you're in it and you go ahead and do it but you don't think why you're doing it or what the impact is on that young person whereas the training gives the staff that that vision and that that background support as to what the young people have been through and what you know what changes are happening in the brain and all that detail to then be able to be the most have the most impact in their lives so I know the team really enjoyed doing it and we're, you know, we're confident that we'll be part of it in the future as well.
0: Amazing. Um, so connections, obviously really important, a an important element of the training. Um, and we know in Wales at the moment, we're in another lockdown period. Um, which poses a challenge to that kind of social connectedness that you've you've worked so hard on um, and the relationships that you've built. Um, So how have you responded during uh, Covid-19 and and what barriers have you come across?
2: Yeah, so Covid's been a really tricky time for us. Um, Initially, obviously, with the the first lockdown, it was very difficult. But what we managed to do was do a bit of reflecting and looking at how could we adapt to make sure that the young people that need it the most still gained our support. Um, So our programme has become very much referral based now. So young people that services such as the police, the offending teams and schools who they're really concerned about in terms of their well-being and the worry about them getting involved in ASB or crime. We've really channeled our energies into working with those young people um, and where possible, taking them off. So the summer holidays, we were doing fishing with young people just because it was something that we thought, well, how can we socially distant? They won't be near to each other. Um, That went down really well. We've done um, football, tennis. We've um, just gone out for walks. You know, members of staff have actually just gone, you know, and, and played in a park with some of the referrals that are about 10 because, It's that interaction, but actually giving the young people the opportunity to get out of the home and to have a trusted adult to talk to. Often we're finding what we've been doing is doorstep visits. So we don't go into the home. It's all socially distant, but just to catch up with the young person and often their family, perhaps men who struggle in as well. And it's that I said to the guys, even if it's just that, being able to have that conversation on the doorstep. That's what we've got to keep doing because it's that, like you say, it's the connection, the relationship. We've worked hard to build up and we know from previous experience, if you start working with a young person and then you disappear and then you try and come back, You've lost that connection and obviously a lot of people in their lives do let them down so they feel like we would be another person. Although that's difficult in a pandemic for you know to to sometimes the, the guidance has been against us, but we're possible. We've kept the contact, we've kept going to visit young people um, and just try to adapt what activities we can do. We're just waiting now for this next lockdown now to finish and we're going to be out and about again. So we can't wait. But the guys have been working with the guys these last two weeks and actually delivered some kit off to them for like, it was like Halloween pack. So it had sweets and stuff in it, but they actually bought them tennis rackets and balls. And the guys reported back that the one lad had said, oh, I went to go and play tennis with my dad. And that might sound small, but actually for a young person to get out of the house and go and interact with their parent, that was just brilliant for us. And they've been trying to do the skills that Mike was showing them. So... You know i think they've been trying to hit their siblings with the balls as well but you know that that's you know part of fun and enjoyment but yeah they've they've embraced it and they've all been really tough when we've come to the door because some of them just aren't seeing anyone at the moment so that connection and relationship element is is key for us and anything else that comes after is a bonus
1: and i think that the way you describe it you know sort of looking at the the current situation and then thinking what can we do how can we adapt that yeah. can do attitude, and you know, just it could quite easily, if you said, right, okay, we're not working, we can't yeah. deliver anything, you know, yeah. just go out there with that compassion and to be able to knock on doors and just have a chat to the parents as well as some of the young people, yeah. because those parents would have been as isolated. I know I've certainly felt it, but seeing a different face. Yeah. And seeing somebody else and having different conversations, particularly from people who understand your circumstances, that yeah. attitude really about adapting makes such a difference. And I think that comes through um in all your work. And you know, when you when we had the conversation initially, and you said, you know, one of the things we're doing is is fishing with young people. Well, for me, that doesn't in my head. I don't really think about it as a sport, but it's just about that connection isn't it and you're sitting with someone having that opportunity to have a conversation
2: and it's just having that compassionate response all the time well the one week the guy that helped us with the fishing couldn't be there so we were panicking a bit they didn't have any rods so so jack they went and got long sticks he got some string and some sweet corn and we got photos of the kids holding a long stick with a bit of string and sweet corn and Jack said, he said, oh, they? yeah, they sat there for hours. I was like, that just shows. It's not it's not just about the activity. It's that interaction because they want to have a chat with the staff. They want that time. Um, but, yeah, I oh cracked me up. It was brilliant. But we got photos <laughs> of them sat there with their sticks and string.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. And it, it just brings it back to what Laura said earlier. You know, It is about more than just sport, isn't it? It yeah. is about that whole kind of connection and the relationships that are built so you work um you, you talked before about working with the whole family and um, to kind of ensure that that support is there could you tell us um about why you do that rather than just working with the child or the young person
2: yeah so the you know the majority of our work is with the young person but obviously we understand that you know if a young person is going through a difficult time it's good to speak to a parent or a sibling to understand what's going on at home What we try and do is connect to a number of services. So if the family's got a social worker, if they've got family support, if they're part of Families First, um, the schools a lot of the time will liaise with those partners to understand what's been going on. So then you've got a bit of a knowledge base of what issues the family might be facing before you go into it with that family. Um, I think what is key for us is often we'll be like a link to services for young people so a number um, of young people we've been working with recently in the main area of Newport their families are struggling with English you know the children really are there's a lot of responsibility on them to translate in the home and you know way beyond their years 10 and 11 year olds responsible for this so I'd like to think that we could be a positive interaction with a, a young person and their family to actually bring in other services because i'm not going to say we can solve the family's issues on our own but we might be those initial people who've got that relationship got that communication to then say well right mum really needs a bit of help there and and ask her if she would be happy to have a referral put in so what we i have put into comment relief and we're still waiting to hear um for a mentoring programme. So that would be a lot of targeted work supporting young people. Um, because I need more staff out there basically to work with young people and families. And in the second year of that project, I put a proposal in that the the family would receive counselling and support, um, working in partnership with Grant Psychology. Um, so hopefully, I fingers crossed that'll come off, but I recognise from doing this for a number of years, you can support the young person, but then if home they're struggling and they're not receiving any support then it can often get quite undone so yeah so not saying we can do it all but we're definitely linked to the right people who can help and do you
1: think um it's because of your relationships and your your um, connections with the young people um that their family trusts you as well yeah yeah definitely can be that community link and, yes. and you can almost break down some barriers for other services to get in there, where perhaps they haven't been able to in, in the past. But yeah, I think, definitely. you know, to to go back to what we 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 talked about, it all comes from that first connection and that relationship, and yeah. the spinal effect of that is absolutely huge.
2: Yeah, so, definitely. You
1: know, going out there with a stick and some sweet corn, but yeah. the impact of that is yeah. absolutely huge on the wider family and hopefully the, the community because what yeah. we're doing is acting as that that bridge really for yeah definitely to get in and for those families to get access so i think that um the work you do is is just i don't think really we capture just how much it it the, of an impact it has
2: yeah, I, I agree with you. I got an example there, Laura, um, when we were doing the fishing in the summer, one of the mums was bringing one of the girls over. Um, and, you know, we always try and be like, oh, you know, how are you doing to the parent, if you know, if we if we do see parents. And, you know, mum explained she didn't know where the, her daughter was going to be going to school in September because she was verging on an exclusion. So she knew that the school couldn't cope with her behaviour, but she didn't know where she was going to go. You know, when the rest of the group were talking about they transitioned to high school and her daughter was left there just going i don't know where i'm going so we made a few inquiries and worked out pushed a few people in education so that placement got sorted and not to say you know because of us she was sorted but it just helped because we were that frontline engagement there's a mum there in august not knowing where her daughter was going to go to school in september and it's just with all this going on the anxieties and extra stress that would cause for her and for her daughter just seems avoidable. So we help with that. So just little things like that, really, just to, to put the put the jigsaw together. And I often say to the staff, listen, we could be that one piece of the jigsaw that might help with a case. So you hear of all these horrific child protection cases that have gone wrong and whatnot. Often, if you find that golden nugget and can be that protective organisation to, you know, for want of a better word, save a person, then I'd like to think we could be that not you know we yes okay we deliver sport but i'm always looking for people who who've got that approach and if i could write in a job description you've got a care then i would because that's half the battle i don't need ronaldo i don't need alex ferguson coaching i need someone who can cope with the behaviors and who cares i think that comes through
1: when i've spoken to anybody who works for the organization that attitude comes through so yeah I don't know. You may not write it in the job description, but you certainly look for it in your uh, interview processes.
2: And God, yeah, I learned the hard way, trust me, when I went down to different and I had dogs running around, people smoking spliffs, people fighting, I was like, right, my sports development degree didn't teach me this, you know, where's the, where's the warm-up, where's the coaching skill, where's the game? That was like, late as love, you, you, survive. you survive or you get eaten, do you know what I mean? <laughs> And that's that's the reality of it. A lot and of people have been let down by services, and you you come across as another one of them to start with. So you've got to have something about you to get past that barrier.
1: And you talked when when we talked before, you talked about that kind of that that lots of the young people have been let down by services, mm. and how you can be that one who keeps coming back all yes. the time. Yes. Yes. Yeah doesn't let them down and that's how you get the trust and that's how you win the trust of the family as well.
2: Yeah because when I've spoke to staff and they've gone oh we're not at the door but they weren't there or mum didn't answer and I go I don't care just go back just go back just go back don't take it on don't take it Percy. just go back because I know I've been there I've done it I've cried so and so called me this so and this that and blah 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 doesn't matter if then they see you come back and they're like whoa you've come back you pass so, the test. Yeah. Yeah. It's all it's all a pushing you to see if you'll come back and it and it works then. So so yeah, and it's great to see the staff then and how they respond when it works, you know?
0: What do you do? You've talked a little bit there about, you know, uh, staff coming to you and saying, Oh, so and so won't answer the door. Um, you know, what do you do if you're you're working with a young person yeah. who just pushes you away Your constantly? Way. Um, and do you have examples of, of how you've kind of got past this in, in the past and how do you know when when you've got through and when it's worked? What does that feel like? Um,
2: yeah, so a lot of our work, um, obviously, you know, when people write these bids or to work with a disengaged, you know, that, what does that actually mean? And a, an awful lot of the time, the young people living in poverty, the young people that are vulnerable, young people who might be witnessing domestic violence, substance misuse, you could walk into a world of trauma that if you are not prepared, you 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 will struggle with, you know. And I look back at myself at 20, 21, 22, and I didn't understand. I didn't understand why a kid would tell me to F off or not trust me or whatever. So I'd like to think as a rule within the team, we have that safe space to talk. We have that opportunity to have a moan, have a cry, whatever that might be but we understand the culture that this is what we're dealing with and that they are going to push you away. We've had examples of young people who've come to us and more often than not, it'll be when they've bounced around other services and then someone's thought, oh, I know, we'll send them to Positive Futures. So what I've tried to advocate for is get in earlier because a lot of the time young people have have had bad experiences through a number of services. Um, I can think of one lad who came to us, so no high school would take him. Um, and he'd gone to a special needs school, which wasn't appropriate. And then he got placed with us as a one-to-one. And he he was, <laughs> I liked him, he was difficult. But um we had him, I think, for about three or four years. Um, but due to his behaviors and a few incidents, we ha- we had to let him go. But there's a lot going on with the family, a lot going on in the community for him, a lot, his education level was extremely low. Um, so I think potentially on reflection were we setting him up to fail because we couldn't be all those things so I think really sometimes if it's not working it's an opportunity to stand back from it and go right why isn't it working really look at us but look at the other people we need around the table to, to help with this because I think sometimes we do pick up so many different elements that it would be stupid for us to think that we could solve them all and i think it goes back to that trauma stuff like i didn't i didn't appreciate it enough years ago whereas now i look at young people and see you're living in a trauma stage how how can you how can i possibly expect you to sit down and write that or draw that or work that out if your head is full of all this stuff so um I think we've learned from experience we've definitely had young people that we we couldn't maintain but the majority of them want that safe space want that opportunity to talk so I just think it's just reflecting always learning always working on how we could improve and then through experience appreciating what works and what doesn't yeah
1: I yeah. think for me one of the things that, that you mentioned there was about you know the trauma stage and you know we didn't know this and and we talked in a in a previous conversation about some of the jargon that goes with you know the ACEs agenda and being trauma informed and for some people who've worked with vulnerable families over the years they've said, well, of course we've known all this and we've worked in this way before but what we perhaps didn't know was the science behind it, and I think yeah. what we've had now is the opportunity to to really take a look at what's going on behind that behaviour that we've worked with for so long, and it yes. gives us an opportunity to to put it into practice in terms of both the people we work with, but also with our staff. And you talked a little bit about. You know the 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 selection process and the recruitment of of your staff and how you basically recruit people who care, and yeah. and I think that comes through as an organisation that you care about each other and that the staff yeah. will work for you because you are a compassionate organisation and it's yeah. not just about the people we work with; it's the people who are in the organisation and what you, I think for, for me is how you use that knowledge and that. Um, the science behind the, you know, kind of the neuroscience behind the the trauma informed practice to to use it with your staff. And then that has a kind of trickle effect onto the people you work with. So you may have done it for years, but this kind of just gives it that that research element to support it.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's that knowledge and gives the staff confidence then because it's like, oh, I know what's going on here and not to take it personally. They have just told you to F off or do one. That's just what they're going through when they're just trying to push you or just trying to release something that's going on inside. So definitely.
0: Yeah. And behaviours, communication, isn't it? Always. Not, this work, you know, it, it isn't for everyone, is it? You know, as you've described, you might think you've got the qualifications. Um but actually doing the work and you, you learn so much on the job, I guess. So what what kind of um, you've talked about it a bit, but what kind of skills do you think are needed for somebody who wants to come into this work? And what would your advice be?
2: Um, have an open mind um, in terms of skill set. Um, I think you need to be flexible and adaptable because you could have a plan, A. And then especially with with all this going on, with a chuck of pandemic in, and we're on plan Z for most of it. Um, so to be flexible and adaptable um to care, I always think that, you know, you've got to care, you've got to have a genuine passion, otherwise you would you just couldn't you wouldn't survive it. Um be organized um and as structured as you can and be willing to um what's the right phrase open uh open yourself so like be confident to show weakness if that's the right way to say it so if you do fail or you do feel you failed that's okay and you can speak to the team and and learn from it we've all had those days where we've you know wanted to have a cry or or you know got frustrated but it's that okay so how could i learn from that i think sometimes people that haven't survived in it would be like well that's not for me it didn't work i i planned a session and they just took the mick out of me whereas it's like okay so that's how it is here how am i going to adapt um so yeah i think that's pretty much the sort of skills and attributes you'd need in my opinion
1: and I think that having that confidence um, comes from knowing that you've got that support of your organisation as well. So yeah. being in an organisation that you are, that allows you to fail yeah. um, really makes a difference. Um, and, and and I mean, we, you know, my background is in substance misuse, and I've been that person who was 25 a long time ago. Um, going out there to to talk to people who've been using heroin for 20 odd years and I'm thinking what do I know what what do I know and actually I didn't know anything about their lives and I didn't know anything about um, you know how they were going to get off heroin but what I did do was care and what yeah. I was able to offer was all those things that we know make a difference and keep yeah. turning up and I did have an organisation behind me who allowed me to come back and say I really don't know what I'm doing. And it mm. seems to me that you've got that organisation that allows your team to to say that didn't work. I'm yeah. gonna try something else to be able to just be you know ongoing because they know eventually they'll get it right. Yeah. And I think you know if you're working with young people that
2: they actually want to see you mess up a few times as well. Yeah. And I think if you're just doing the same thing, if someone kept saying to me, oh, yeah, everything's going really well, I would be suspicious because I'd be like, well, I know how hard it is. So if it's going really well all the time, you're just doing the same old thing with one or two young people. Because if you've got a busy programme, you're going to be having, you know, child protection issues. You're going to have behaviour issues. You're going to have all those things. So, yeah, I agree. I would I would challenge that. And
1: we can't we, we can't give like a cookie cutter response to each young person and every person because they don't all come in that same package do they really that's they right have their own individual issues and, and and needs and we have to respond in that way and that's it, right it, it's the only thing that keep makes that difference is that relationship
2: yeah definitely
0: one of the things that we're kind of striving for is this, um, you know, ace and trauma and ace informed society. Do you think that, um, and, and what that means essentially is, is people understanding and seeing the world from someone else's perspective and everybody showing kindness and compassion um, to, to everyone else. Do you think we can, we can ever achieve that in Wales? And what do you think Um What do you think that the the barriers to that can be? That's a big question, I know. I'd like to think we
2: could. I think education is key. Um, And I think, you know, I look at my own family, you know, personally, and I think my work has educated me. um, And I think I never would probably understand what I do. If it wasn't for my job and and seeing people and, and working with young people who have got really really difficult challenges and um, issues that they face within their home and how they've been so strong and overcome it and where they've they've achieved over the odds, um, so I would like to think we could get to a point where we have a trauma informed society. But I think so many people are living in their own trauma and don't realise it. So then how would you educate them around
0: that yeah i think it's um it's only when you kind of really listen to the experiences of other people um that you then your empathy builds and then you're able to to you know really put that kindness into action is when you really understand where someone's coming from So i think if if we could achieve that then then that would be great
2: yeah, because I, I can remember when I first, um, my first job in Duffin and Newport, I worked with a colleague who was the youth worker there. And she was immense. Like I learned so much from her and we're still close friends now, 20 years on. But she was from Ely and Cardiff and had had quite a difficult childhood. And I was from like Caleen and Newport. And I, you know, I'd been really fortunate. I had a good childhood. And I often felt sometimes that, you know, well, you don't understand, you know, you've had it easy. But actually when when you're working with these young people day in day out and working with the families you do develop a sense and it's it's, to an extent got to be empathy not sympathy because then people can just sense if you're just like pitying them but actually how would I be if I was in those shoes how would I be if that had happened to me at that age and how would I be if I grew up in that environment and I think that's been massive for me to actually see the environments that people live in and what mental health impact that can have and what's going on around you. And just from going out with the staff on outreach in the summer, you know, kids looking so bored and fed up and isolated and parents at their wits end to the point when they see you then they're like, my God, you know, it's like you're Santa or something. Their faces light up because they can't wait to have interaction with you.
1: I think what we could possibly do is is start having uh kinder communities.
2: Yeah. And I think
1: that um particularly, well, I'm just thinking from from where I live, we've had communities that have really come together over the last couple of months. Um, there are starting to be some kind of divisions around those who are mask wearers and those who are not mask wearers. Um But I think if we build on the compassion um, of those who were involved in some of the community activities during the the pandemic, we can certainly start having uh, kinder communities, whether or not communities themselves will understand or or whether they need to know that what they are is trauma informed. I don't know. But what we can do is is certainly have kinder communities. And I think we need to... We need to talk about the losing some of the jargon that, that we get caught up in um, and whether we're trauma informed, trauma aware, trauma responsive. Um, and can we just take it back to basics and be a bit kinder to each other? Yeah. Um, maybe then we, we we get somewhere.
2: Yeah. And I think for what we can offer, um, I'm quite a big thing on self-care. So you know, if a mum is struggling with four kids at home on her own, you know, is it, you know, she probably wants to feel like she wants to have a drink by the end of the day or or a fag or whatever. But, you know, could we be that opportunity to say a family can go swimming or a family can, you know, have a go at basketball, you know, with a coach or whatever? Just that, that opportunity to improve your well-being and help mental health through an activity we could offer and that engagement with staff, I think... Actually, you saying that, I've never thought about it really, but that's probably something we we need to put as one of our outcomes is you know, people are more aware and more trauma informed through what we're doing.
1: Yeah. yeah. And kinder and, and to themselves. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> because I think that we. Particularly if you are working with, with with people who've got a number of Aces, or if uh, are living in a, you know some situations where they're traumatised, we give so much that we don't take any care of ourselves. And yeah. we, it's the job we've got to give, got to keep giving but i think it's a responsibility then on that organisation is to look mm. after the staff and that's why we get burnout isn't it and that's why staff leave yeah. and that's why we we get a turnover of staff but yeah. i think if we've got um communities or organisations who are actually kinder to themselves as well then we're you know ultimately
2: kinder to the people we work with yeah definitely and always bring cakes into the office works well (laughs) cake always works yeah
1: Yeah, it's the
0: ultimate (laughs) self-care
1: but I think all you can do is hope that that you can make those changes over the generations and and that 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 you you think oh well you know yeah okay it wasn't that good but there must have been something that actually made you into the person you are today and what was it because was it a trusted adult was it something that you belong to and mm. how can we do that mm. And yeah. so, so i think part of that trauma-informed society work is knowing mm. what those resilience factors are and making sure they're there
2: we got a boy at the moment we've just been referred we've been waiting for him for a while and bless him he's only 11 he's turkish he's just gone to high school his father passed away it was a year ago two years ago he like translates for his mum but he's getting bullied because he's Dad's dead, you know, and it's like kids can be so cruel, can they? You know, and because he's got a different sounding in Turkish surname. And um, you know, we've been asked to work with him and he sort of said, Yes, yes, yes. He said, I'm just so angry and I'm just so down, and you just think, Aww. love him is an age, he knows, he knows he needs support.
1: But I think that what you can do is have that drip effect, really, of people having that knowledge and a change in behavior. And um, and you just hope and pray that over the you know over the generations it just gets a little bit. Less. And and I find it you know with parenting, my mum wasn't the best parent in the world. I'm not the best parent in in, in the world. And and
2: I know so I anyone is yeah,
1: wrong. <laughs> but I think you just you you can see subtle changes in things mm. that you do. The more aware you get. And you just yeah. hope that eventually someone will get it right because, yeah <laughs> you know I like got five daughters so I got an opportunity but five. five but I think that I think that you know there are things now that my eldest daughter sees and she picks me up on yeah sees you know
2: that's
1: not what you know <laughs> that's not what you preach. Mm. so why are you doing
0: that mm. so how do you I, react I, to that law
1: well it takes a while <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while and you have to go off and have a little bit of a word with yourself yeah. um and just hope you don't do it again next time but you know it takes yeah time.
0: but and i and i also think that um you know no matter how much you want to be no one is ever going to be perfect so in terms of the vision and what this could look like I don't think yeah we're human like we're not yeah. always going to be perfect we are going to get angry we're going to have short fuses and lose our patience despite knowing all of this and that's okay I think it's just about being able to recognize the impact of your behavior on others and just having yeah. that kind of greater awareness of of the power of that as well isn't it Thank you both so much for today's thought-provoking conversation. We hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you want to share your thoughts or connect with us on Twitter, you can find us with the username at Ace Hub Wales. And if you would want to hear more inspiring conversations, then please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next episode coming soon. Bye-bye.